welcome to another episode of The Two Old Fogey Yogis. Your hosts each week are Swami Ashokananda and Reverend Pram, who between us have nearly 100 years of living la vida integral yoga. And that's what makes us Two Old Fogey Yogis. Okay, happy to be here with Swami Ashokananda for another episode. Good to be with you again, Prem. <laughs> Thank you, Swamiji. <laughs> so today I was hoping we could have a conversation about Guru Tattva, the Guru okay. Principle. The Guru Principle, okay. Yeah. So you and I, we were so fortunate to be able to have this profound relationship with an embodied Guru in Swami Sachidananda, our guru. But what about today? You know, I, I was thinking we could talk about all kinds of things around this. Like, what can someone do who would like to have this kind of relationship? You know, I think if we know anything about our tradition, we know guru is also, it's a principle. Yes, a guru can be embodied, but teachings can also come through other means, through contemplation, through books, through video teachings, through mantra, and there's something that's known as lineage transmission, mm -hmm. you know, that we find in many of the wisdom traditions, certainly in Hinduism, yoga, Vedanta, uh, Shaiva Tantra, Buddhism, transmission from teacher to student. That's one of the cornerstones of Tibetan Buddhism, mm -hmm. you know, maintaining a direct unbroken Dharma lineage from the time of the Buddha and then the blessings of the lineage masters are passed along to the student and you know in our tradition we have the same thing this is our guru our guru's guru going all the way back to sri patanjali which is where a lot of the teachings in integral yoga have their foundation you know the eightfold path and all of that chris wallace uh you know he's a favorite of mine to listen to right um he's the director of the tantrika institute and um, he's a scholar practitioner in the tradition of Kashmiri Shaivism and Shaiva Tantra. I just heard him say something like lineage transmission is when the sacred energy of a tradition comes through a conduit, whether an embodied representative of the mm -hmm. tra tradition or even in books, audio, mm -hmm. video, you know, mantras, yantras. Mm -hmm. It makes it feel like, you know, it's a really live, juicy kind of thing that this idea of this energy coming through these conduits. Yeah. It's been a difficult thing in our culture. You know, we're in this supposedly post-lineage modern yoga thing. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> post-lineage modern yoga, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where it's like, you know, I don't want to be flip about it, but, you know, I want to say it's not chic or cool, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you know, you're part of a lineage. I mean, don't you remember, I don't know for you, but for me, when I first got involved with the integral yoga, it wasn't like, oh, and now let me study here and there and here and that and that, that, that you know, we see in, in teachers' bios these days, they've studied with like 10 million people and that's the mark of a good teacher. <laughs> right, yeah. Was yeah. it like that for you? No. I pretty quickly remembered, I would say, that Swami Satsadananda was the person I was going to receive that transmission from. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I went to a few people, Sri Chimnoy, because he was in Queens where I was, Flushing Queens. Uh, he was in Jamaica, Queens. I was in Flushing oh, right. Queens. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. But Swami Sasananda was so down to earth that uh, I didn't I didn't really look around much after that. And I think it's because I recognized from my perspective my past connection with him. So you mean like past lives? You felt like there was some past life connection. If I, I can't remember it, put it that way. So I can't I can't say it's a memory for me. But the the, the depth of my feeling for him for someone who had really very, almost zero understanding of yoga and guru, why would I have this intense feeling of connection? That's how I understand it now. It comes from some past life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And also, yeah. there's something that Chris Wallace said today in a video I was watching, you know, because I was looking for how do you explain this connection that we have, you know? For, I mean, whether it's, you know, you and I with our guru or someone else, what draws them to a particular path. And it's so hard to explain. He said, consciousness gives itself these opportunities to recognize itself. That's a beautiful, Advaitic way of putting it. The one gives itself opportunities to recognize that it's one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that that longing to see ourselves in our true nature is is intrinsic it just maybe depends how buried under it is to have that recognition you have this opportunity that really consciousness is giving you to recognize it in yourself through this beautiful conduit of a guru or spiritual master or lineage and tradition that longing it takes many, many births for that longing is recognized for what it is. Otherwise, it gets diluted and diluted into longings for stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's the same longing, but mm. for, for to mature to the point where it's clearly is what it is. It's the longing for the one to remember itself. Yeah. That's the sign that things are starting to gel in terms of memory. Yeah, I love that because we have this tendency to look for, you know, that we're longing for in another person yeah. or in some material thing or some accomplishment. And yeah. so there's this saying that awareness turned outward is samsara. Awareness turned inward is nirvana. <laughs> and then is there a state where awareness is neither in or out? Yeah, you know, you can't even really put it into words. It's it's beyond words. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a quote, uh, Ma, the great woman saint from India. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember. She says, you know, now you're seeing everything as distinct objects. As your awareness awakens, you see that it's only, it's only one. It all merges into one. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking that at that point, there's no inner and outer. No. Yeah. And there's like no time or space. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. like no you or I. It's just all pure consciousness. Yeah. Then you still have to function in this world. Someone like Adi Shanti, Adi Shanti a Zen master, who still is so practical and down to earth. Our guru was, was so much that way, you know. Uh, they're still functioning, and yet there's some experience they're in that is, cannot be described with words. Yeah. I think it was when Adya Shanti, he was, he was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey on her Super Soul Sunday program okay. you know, a year or two ago. And I think there's a transcript online called like My Realization or something. I don't know, but it's mm. by Adya Shanti. And he kind of describes it. I, mm. I was surprised because most of the time, you know, remember we used to ask Gurudev, 
what's it like to be enlightened? Mm -hmm. And he would say things like, you know, you'll know when you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some Tamil saying he would say that when you experienced, it's just silence. Mm -hmm. Because it's not something that the mind can grasp. Yeah. And also, you know, another thing, though, that's really been bugging me in relation to gurus and this sort of post-lineage situation we got going on in the yoga world is there's a beautiful thing that Krishna Das at the end of each program is so beautiful what he shares. If we know anything about a path at all, it's only because of the great ones that have gone before us. Out of their love and kindness, they have left some footprints for us to follow. And I always love that he acknowledged that even this kirtan, this chanting we're doing, it's not something like somebody just made up 10, 20 years ago. These are long-standing traditions that are part of a whole culture, lineage, spiritual tradition. And what happens when we extract that? Because I'm thinking, wait a second, this is beautiful. I'm glad he acknowledges this. But these masters haven't left just footprints. These saints and sages spent years, decades, centuries, you know, over time, engaging in yogic practices that gave rise to all the knowledge we have that we can call yoga, right? It's, yeah. it's not footprints. I mean, it, it's like this whole incredible tradition and systems and science of mind and transformation. Why is it so awful in today's modern yoga world to say, nah, post-lineage. Why is that so hip and cool? And isn't that in some ways kind of feeding into what's called cultural appropriation today? If we mm-hmm. extract some of the practices that we're comfortable with as Westerners. In this post-lineage modern yoga world, I'm happy there's still Krishna Das there to talk about his total devotion to his guru. Jayutal is, is in that camp also. But Krishna Das is, is well known for that. Yeah. And maybe maybe for him it was more footprints because his teacher, Nguyen Koli Baba, he didn't really have much teachings. Yeah, <laughs> much formal teachings. Yeah. The devotees felt like they got a lot of transmission from him. Totally, but it wasn't totally like, yeah. But it wasn't spoken as much like Gurudev giving, you know, hundreds of talks and wasn't recorded yeah. back in the late 60s, early 70s. His teachings to Ramdas feed the hungry, clothes the naked, you know, that was, that was the teaching. We were lucky to have all those, you know, decades with Swami Satchitananda and to go into the depth of, of that tradition. And like you say, it's like an encyclopedic knowledge of so, there's yeah. so much, so much that could be learned from that. I do feel that anything I'm understanding is through connecting to the guru and it's translated as my own individual understanding. Yeah. And it's coming through me in my own way. Some people feel it's coming too much in my own way, but I think Gurudev also, Master Shivananda came through in his own way. Yeah, because Gurudev's teaching in many ways were really so based on Swami Shivananda's whole system that he presented, which he called Purna Yoga, which is in essence integral yoga. 
I just feel like when Gurudev came to the yeah, West, sure. you know, he adapted it for a Western audience. If you read, you know, you know, you've read Swami Shivananda. It's a little difficult for Westerners. The language, uh, it's yeah. a lot, you know, yeah, yeah. It's heavy with Sanskrit yep. terms. It's very like, arise, awake, immortal soul. You know, it's not as accessible. And I think like Gurudev sort of, you know, translated somewhat for us. And there's a prominent Buddhist scholar practitioner, Ken McLeod. I interviewed him some years ago for the mag for Integral Yoga magazine. And he said, we must have a proper understanding of what our teacher is, namely that aspect of our experience of awakened mind that is showing us how to wake up. This is a symbolic relationship. And I asked him, is devotion to one's teacher important? Because, you know, devotion these days, I mean, it's coming back a little bit in fashion in our yoga world with Krishnadas and Jayutal and those who have made kirtan and chanting, path of heart, opening the heart popular. But devotion to one's teacher is that important? And Ken said, Yes, this is how we form a connection with how awakening is manifesting in our own experience. So why wouldn't we be doing it again? Say it again. Yeah, this is how we form a connection with how awakening is manifesting in our own experience. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we be devoted to that? I really don't see how seekers can do this all for themselves. So I think it was him who, who also said, placing our trust in lineage, a guru, or spiritual teacher, or a proven path is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of discerning what is true and real. You know, because some people also say, it's like, what's all these, you know, the pictures and the garlands and the bowing down. Aren't you making yourself submissive and, or putting someone on a high platform and putting yourself down? And so he was saying, associating ourselves with a lineage is not bowing down or lowering ourselves, but it's actually reaching up to take what is being offered to make use of compassion the wisdom, the practices that are being offered to us. And through studying with a living lineage, we can touch the truth of teachings as they are embodied in the teachers who we can meet. And we can be energized by the spark of the power of lineage. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so beautiful. That's beautiful, yeah. I grew up in Fushing, Queens. Yeah. Kuridev grew up in Tamil Nadu, Coimbatore, Tamil Nadu, India. He's going to bring his cultural understanding, his cultural upbringing. I'm going to have mine. Yeah. When we went to Gurudev and said, we want to know a little bit more about Hatha Yoga Gurudev. He said, you know, I'm not going to be teaching anymore about that. You know, I, there's that book I put out into Goga Hatha. That's not my thing anymore. You couldn't, but I'm fine with you studying from other people. So I asked him about um, Sri Deskachar and he said, yeah, he's a good person to study. So Swami Ramananda and I asked if we could study with him. And he said, no, no, I'm an Indian. You need to study for an American. He gave us a few names of, of some of his American disciples. And we did, and Ramanaji and I did study with them. Oh, uh, okay. But it was, it was interesting that, that he, he said, no, no, I'm from a different culture. Mm. You, do you think there's something around this culture issue? I think that yeah. there is. I think, especially in this day and age where there isn't such an understanding of tradition or such a respect for it where, I mean, certainly there, it, you know, it exists, 
But if you're talking about in the mainstream of people who are interested in spirituality, yoga, you know, yeah, the modern yoga world that we live in, I think there has been sort of a reaction against the tradition. And certainly there's been things that have caused people to feel less trust and confidence with some of the scandals and what went on with Rajneesh and with Bikram and all of that. So that's understandable. But again, throwing the proverbial baby out with the bathwater, I think it's just such a balance with maintaining a respect and reverence for the integrity of the system that we know as yoga and particularly integral yoga, it is a system. It's a carefully curated of the best of classical yoga that can be accessible for the modern day that Gurudev received from Swami Shivananda and that traces back to Sri Patanjali. Because in a way, Sri Patanjali took the teachings that had been around. He curated that into a system that could be more accessible. In those days, the only people who were practicing primarily at the time of Patanjali, you know, were the Brahmins and the highly Mm. educated scholars or so-called higher castes. So you want to make yoga accessible to everyone in a sense. And I feel like the modern teachers, that's what they've been trying to do. But in the name of that, I do think some of the tradition has been lost. Yeah. And I think it's such a balance between keeping that respect and letting people know what the tradition teaches, that this isn't something I've just come up with yesterday, right? I'm not sharing with you something that I just made up. I'm sharing with you something as I understand it, practiced and experienced from the tradition. Does that make sense? It does. But let me ask you another question related to this is that because Gurudev often emphasized it's the system that's important. It's not the one proclaiming the system. It's not the teacher. It's the teachings that's important. I ne- whenever he would say that, I didn't quite buy it. Uh, <laughs> I think the, I think that how we're receiving the system and the Guru Tatwa understanding and the energy is conveyed through the lineage is a crucial part of the equation. Of course, you know, those who never met him, and I think that's one of the key hmm. issues of this podcast is, you know, we also want to talk to all the people who never met a guru. Right. How can they develop a connection and receive? Exactly. That's, I love, love, yeah. love that you brought that up. And you know what I'm going to say? Why in the yoga world does that question come up? Think about it for a second. When we grew up in America, right? Largely Christian world. America was, that was it. You didn't hear a lot about other faiths and everything. Would you ever think, just think about it for a second. Would you go up to a Christian and say, hey man, Jesus isn't here anymore. What are you doing? (laughs) You know, that wasn't like a natural question. I mean, if you really think about it, you could ask yourself, but you know, in Catholicism, Christianity, people don't tend to ask that question and think about how they talk about developing a personal relationship with Christ of how devoted they are to the Bible. They take that the word of God. And yet here we are saying, Hey, hello over here. You know, we have our own Mm -hmm. tradition, which says the same thing, that this is an eternal (laughs) relationship. We see it in the mystics. 
in every tradition, Kabir, Hafiz, Rumi, Mirabai, Rabia, St. Therese of Lesseur, uh, St. Therese of Avila, they all have this experience, the presence, the bo divine beloved, whatever name you want to give it. Why do we question that after a guru leaves the body, you know, an enlightened being that, oh, that's it, close the chapter, end of story. I asked Ken mm -hmm. McLeod about this. I said, mm -hmm. what do you think about this whole thing? His guru was Kalu Rinpoche. He said, I never felt any separation. I wrote it down. I was so like moved by what he said. I never felt any separation then or now. When student and teacher are together, there are many, many things that are transmitted. As far as what is transmitted, well, imagine that you have a lit candle. Then you use the flame of that candle to light another candle. What was transmitted? Are the flames the same? Is something transmitted? Or does it just happen if conditions are right? These are really difficult questions. If I have, he said, if I have a dream of Milarepa, and he gives me a transmission. Now, Milarepa is a great Buddhist teacher from way back. Mm -hmm. If I have a dream of Milarepa, he gives me a transmission. Have I received a transmission of Milarepa? When you are in the presence of Swami Satchidananda, he asked me this, Ken asked me this. If you're in the presence of Swami Satchidananda and something arises in your mind, did you get something from him or did it arise in you? I don't think it's important to answer these questions. What's important mm -hmm. is you have that experience and that's transmission. Mm -hmm. I walked away from that really saying to myself, I've, I think anyone who connects with Swami Satchidananda, whether watching a video, reading a book today, hearing a talk, they feel drawn to him and his teachings. I think that's transmission and that's accessible mm -hmm. because what are we connecting with? Again, we're connecting with that cosmic consciousness coming through this conduit and we are accessing that which is intrinsic to our true nature that, that is being woken up within ourselves that's how i see it yeah yeah that brings us back to what we started off with the transmission takes place when the longing gets very clear what we're longing for when these other longings start to coalesce into the true longing I think then this transmission can take place. When I was going to get asked for initiation from Gurudev and formally become a disciple, I, I really, at that point, I just wanted a mantra from him. Hmm. I had read um, in um, the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna how important it was to receive a mantra from an enlightened person. And I was already living at uh, Connecticut Center, but I didn't know if Gurudev was my guru. So oh. I, I said... I wrote to him, I want to receive a mantra from you, but I'm not sure if you're my guru. And I got a message from his attendant at that time, wasn't you yet, please call. So I never spoke to him on the phone before. He said, he, he started off by saying he was so happy that I wrote to him and I wrote that question because he said so many people just take the mantra and they don't have the connection and they're missing something by not having the connection. Oh, wow. So I know. I know, he said, I can give you the mantra, but you'll be, you won't get the full understanding what? without the connection. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, the way he said it, I think you've heard me say this, but he, he said, when the inner sun guides you, not the moon, the mind is just reflected light, but when the inner sun guides you, then you'll know what to do. Wait. 
right. Um, I know. I never heard that. Say that again. That is the moon is okay. the reflected light. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, so, so he said, uh, I said, so, uh, so how will I know if you're my guru or not? He said, there are some things you can do with the mind. The mind really has no, mind has no light of its own. It's a reflected light, just like the outer moon. There's an inner sun in you. With reflected light, you can make some decisions. You can decide what to eat today, what movie to go to. But for bigger decisions, like who your guru is, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, I'm going to have this child, that you need to get the information directly from the inner sun. So I said, well, how, how am I going to know when it's the inner sun and not, and not some other voice in me? He said, that, that you'll be able to distinguish the difference. Wow. So one month passed, two months passed, a half a year passed. Ah. I'm not getting any message from any inner son. I figured that's the answer. He's, he's not my guru. But then once I gave up thinking about it, I was at a kirtan and, and I got the inner son. Oh. <laughs> and, it's so, and it's so different than the mind. It's just so clear. Oh my gosh. Uh, and, and it was so great. And, and then I had to wait six months because he, did, he didn't do initiation very often. I had to wait. Right. So it was a year. Yeah. It was a year before, from that time, that first uh, conversation, it was a year. I was so hungry for it by then. And I knew who was my guru. And I think that made all the difference. And that opened that line of communication, that subtle, energetic web of communication that I think it would have been missing if I would have grabbed the mantra and ran, you know? Wow. That's inc yeah. what an incredible <laughs> story. And I know you mean about waiting because... I, I had taken TM initiation, so I was using a right. TM mantra. I wasn't really into, you know, it was like early 70s. And, you know, just a friend of mine said, yeah. I think this could help you. You know, I was real, I was in college. I was, really, <laughs> I, I was going through a lot of anxiety and stress with it all. And I just wasn't handling it well. And so this, this friend of mine said, yeah. well, you know, try TM. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. This all sounds weird, but okay. So I went and I got the initiation, yeah. I did the meditation and I, and I liked it. But then when I did yeah. finally uh, get introduced to integral yoga, I was heard that people took this mantra initiation. I, and maybe it was more like I wanted to be part of the crowd or something, or this is the thing you do. So yeah. it's sort of like, kind of, I'm kind of pinging off of what you shared because I did ask for it and they said, well, Gurudev was giving the initiation at a retreat. I had only found out about the retreat like a week or two before. And they said, oh, it's you would have had to apply. You have to fill out an application. But, you know, it's too late, but you can sure. ask again. Yeah. And then I found out not a year later he was going to give initiation. But then I found out he yeah. wasn't giving initiation himself anymore. It was only going to be through certain students. Oh, oh okay. I was yeah, absolutely yeah. bereft. Well, let me tell you, that did not yeah, yeah. stop me. It didn't stop <laughs> me. <laughs> I just decided one yeah, day, yeah. I was living at the New Jersey IYI at the time, and we we're going to Connecticut to hear Gurudev. You know, Gurudev lived at Satchidananda Ashram Yogaville East in Connecticut at the time. So we drove. We would try to go as much as we could, you know, from, I'm sure you did from New York. Right. Same, same in New York. In New York, I buy same thing. Yeah. 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 You just pile in yeah. a van or a car or something. Yeah. You drive for hours, yeah. go to Connecticut Ashram. Here, Gurudev, turn around, go drive back. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I get in the car and they're all looking at me because I'm like, have flowers and fruit. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, um, 
I'm getting initiated this weekend. And they're like, oh, how wonderful. That's nice. And then someone said to me, you know, he doesn't give initiation anymore. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I just, end of satsang, I just went up to Gurudev and I just asked him, I said, please, would you initiate me? You should have seen the look on the face of his assistants or, you know, standing there they were like horrified. <laughs> how, dare and, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you, you <laughs> in, insolent person. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had such a burning desire. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me and he said, okay. Wow. See that? And I'm like, <laughs> and then of all talk about audacity. No, that might have been a polite sure, you know. And I said, when? <laughs> <laughs> and he okay. said, uh, when do you want it? And I said, now it was like late evening, right? It was yeah, after yeah. the evening satsang. So the next day was Sunday. And then we we're going to be leaving Sunday afternoon. I said, uh, tomorrow morning? He said, okay, fine. And I couldn't believe it. And everyone is like in shock. And nobody said a thing. And after wow. I just, yeah, I just thought this, wow, this is amazing. What an opportunity. And I literally myself, I went to a few people and I said, do you want to get initiated? I don't know. How <laughs> I, oh my gosh. So I remember it was Lakshmi Fjord and a few other people. I don't know. I guess I had met at the New York Institute maybe. And I knew that they yeah. hadn't been initiated and really wanted mantra initiation. So then somehow I asked, can they join? And then Gurudev said, okay. So it was like, it was like a group, maybe six of us. And he, wow. yeah, he gave us the initiation. Couldn't believe it. I love both aspects of the story. I love the story that you, you felt clear that you could at least ask for it. What's yeah. the harm in asking? And then you, you rallied a bunch of people <laughs> to, let's get the shit. That's, that's so apropos of, of your nature. I love that story. Yeah. Stay tuned for part two of this discussion in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And for more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to IntegralYoga.org. Om Shanti.